Well, thank you for joining me again in this series of Current Culture. And today is a very hot topic. It's probably the hottest topic I'm going to speak on. If not, it's in the top few. And that's dealing with the issue of race and racism. Okay, we, we're seeing this in the news and in, in our society right now. This is a big deal. So today's lesson is called One Creator, One Race. And it's very fitting that we speak about this issue. There are people out there who are quick to judge people and, and assign value to them based upon their outward appearance. But if we take a look at um, the Bible and what it says about God, we clearly see that God values all people, despite what they might look like or their cultural background or their customs. So we need to adopt this way of thinking. We need to view people uh, like they have value, the same way God does, and seek to reach them with the gospel. Well, we're going to look right away today at the biblical perspective on race. We're going to look and see what the Bible has to say. It's our, it's God's word to us. It's our uh, final authority on how to live life and what to believe. It's, it contains truth. Uh, so we're going to dive right into it today and uh, see what God has to say about people and maybe this, uh, this race issue. And right away, we're going to look at this important truth. There is one race with many variations. There is only one race with many variations. Genesis chapter 1 is the answer to racism. Verses 26 through 27 is God's answer to racism. We read this. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. These verses record that God created one man and one woman during the creation week. So every person is descended from this first couple. This means that everyone is related to each other through Adam. There is just one human race. Acts 17.26, we find this, And he made from one man every nation of mankind to inhabit all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. So, why doesn't everyone just get along with each other? Well, back when Adam and Eve were created, they were created perfect. Uh, But they disobeyed God. They sinned by eating that forbidden fruit that God told them not to eat. Therefore, uh, they now have a sin nature. Therefore, when they had children, their children inherited uh, that sin nature. And as a result of that, all men now have a sin nature. We are born with a sin nature. This is a biblical truth we need to understand. Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as one man, uh, just through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Well, ever since the fall, sin has affected humanity in terrible ways. 
And one of those ways is uh, people thinking that they are better than someone else because of the way that they look because of someone's skin color or the shape of their eyes. And this is the sin which is called racism. And racism is really silly when it's uh, compared to the backdrop of creation. I mean, God created Adam and Eve with a genetic makeup that was able to produce all the different various people groups in the world. It all came from Adam and Eve. And our knowledge of genes is growing and scientists have been able to isolate the genes uh, that uh, determine the, the different appearances uh, that people have, the distinguishing features that they have. And I want to show you a chart here uh, to look at these differences. When we look at the variations between the so-called races, we see that they are extremely minor. The biological differences between people groups are so minor. Comparing DNA between any two people will show you that only 0.2% of their DNA is different. That is the bottom bar that you're looking at. Uh, just 6% of those differences, so 6% of that 0.2% have anything to do with putting people into different racial categories. So any two people are essentially the same. And racism really looks silly against the scientific backdrop as well. Maybe these facts surprise you, or maybe you've never realized how minor the differences really are between people. But I can confirm this truth. There is only one race of people with many variations. And not only is there only one race, but we see biblically that every person is equal before God. We are all equal before God. There is no intrinsic value that is assigned to people based upon how they look. A person's value comes because of this fact that we are created in the image of God. We just read that truth in Genesis chapter 1. We're created in His image. Therefore, every person has the same exact value before God. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. This well-known verse that most people can quote tells us of people's value. It tells us that God valued every single person enough that no matter what they look like, He sent His Son to die for every one of them. Why? Because everyone has value. Everyone has been created in the image of God. He loves you so much that He made a way for all of your sins to be forgiven and you can be restored to Him. So this idea of racism God would see it as a serious violation of his love for the world and his love for people. We are quick to condemn atrocities through history, such as the Holocaust under the leadership of Adolf Hitler. But we have to understand that God has disdain for any form of racism. It doesn't matter what degree or what level, even the private uh, racism you might have in your own heart as you view other people or treat other people. Uh, it's, um, God has a, a disdain and a hate for it because, again, all people are created equal. And obviously, racism has no place 
in the local church. And that's actually how we're going to finish out today's lesson. We're going to look at race and the church. Let's begin by looking at the history of the church at Rome. Paul wrote to the local churches in Rome around AD 57, most likely from the city of Corinth. There was a large Jewish community living in Rome at that time. Although we don't know the details of how the Roman church started, Paul made it clear that he didn't plan it. The history of the church set it up for problems between Jewish believers and non-Jewish believers, which are called Gentiles. The earliest church in Rome was likely mostly Jews with just a few Gentiles. In AD 49, the Roman Emperor Claudius passed an edict expelling all Jews from Rome. Acts 18.2 speaks of this. The cause for the expulsion could have been the escalating disagreements between Christian and non-Christian Jews. Along with the ban came persecution. The persecution and the ban from Rome weren't lifted until Claudius died and Nero took control in AD 54. This five-year expulsion was an extreme event that changed the course of the church at Rome. When the Jews returned to Rome, they found the church different from the one that they had left. Instead of being mainly Jewish, it was now led and filled by Gentiles. The Jewish culture had now been replaced by Gentile culture. And over time, the church would be divided and broken between the Jews and the Gentiles. During this trouble, Paul intervened by writing a letter to the church in Rome. When looking at the book of Romans in light of this historical context, we see God's heart and plan for loving cross-cultural relationships in the church. Living in harmony with those who come from different cultural, educational, or economic backgrounds challenges the church to live and treat people as God sees them. This should be evidence from an authentic change of heart, mind, and identity. Knowing this historical context behind the book of Romans should cause us to keep in mind how Paul addresses these cross-cultural differences in his letter. We can also see that God intended for the church to include different people groups. So let's look at Paul's letter to Rome. Paul laid out the theme of his letter in chapter 1 verse 16. It addresses the theme of ethnicity and it sets the tone for his presentation of the gospel throughout the rest of the book. Romans 1.16 reads, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So the gospel brings heart change, and it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Paul was not ashamed of the gospel because there is nothing to be ashamed of concerning the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is nothing faulty in the gospel that needs to be improved or updated. The gospel of Jesus Christ is perfect. Well, what is the gospel? 1 Corinthians 15 verses 3 through 4 says this, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. 
The gospel is that Jesus Christ died for our sins and rose from the grave so that we might have eternal life by placing our trust in him. To the Gentile philosophers and thinkers of Rome, the gospel was just foolishness. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. It was too simple and easy to be credible. And why would someone put their faith in the Jewish man the Romans silenced by crucifixion? And who would actually believe in this wild story that he rose from the dead? Paul wrote in verses 18 through 22, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, both his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or give thanks, and they became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools." Paul says that the person who rejects God in the name of wisdom is a fool. The gospel is not foolish. Those who think they know better than God are foolish. To the unbelieving Jews, Jesus' death was his end. And they were still waiting for the Messiah. They were still waiting for someone to ride in victoriously on a white horse and free them from the Roman Empire and reestablish the throne of David. Well, therefore, they wanted to silence this message of the gospel that the Christians were spreading. In first century Rome, it was shameful to believe in the gospel and to put so much emphasis on this lowly man, Jesus, who was killed and who was no more. It was also very shameful for uh, Jews and Gentiles to be a part of one church together and fellowshipping together with one another. It was not socially acceptable during this time. But here's the thing. The gospel causes heart change. And when there is heart change due to the gospel, it leaves no room for bigotry. Romans 2, 28 and 29 says, For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. Paul's message to the Jews was that acceptance by God comes from a changed heart. It is a spiritual change, not a physical change that takes place. Romans 2, uh, verse 5 through 9 says, But because of the stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will repay to each according to his works. To those who by perseverance and doing good seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. But to those who are selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, wrath, and anger. There will be affliction and turmoil for every soul of man who works out evil, of the Jew first and also of the Greek.
So for those who reject Christ, ethnicity makes no difference. It doesn't matter at all what people group you are from. Paul fully expected the hearts of the Roman believers to be changed. He expected the Roman Jews and the Roman Gentiles to have love for one another. They were to stand together as brothers and sisters in Christ regardless of ethnicity. Ethnic diversity was not supposed to cause controversy in the Roman congregation. Romans 2, 10-11 says, But glory and honor and peace to everyone who works good, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for there is no partiality with God. Ethnicity makes no difference if you reject Christ, and ethnicity makes no difference for those who put their trust in Him as their Savior. God has a future specific plan for Israel, but His plan right now for the present age is the church. The church should be one, for there is no partiality with God when it comes to ethnicity. Well, I'm going to ask you a question. How did your love for others, particularly those of a different ethnicity, change once you trusted Christ as your Savior? Well, just being honest with you, I didn't have a big change um, once I became saved. I was brought up in a Christian home where I was taught to treat people equally and to respect everyone because we were created in the image of God. I was uh, brought up and taught this way from an early age, so I didn't have a big transformation. But if you are saved at a later stage of life and you, you probably had a change of heart and a, tr a transformation that took place. Listen, when you trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior, there's a radical change that happens within you. Your heart changes, your desires change, and the way that you think and view things should change. And I'm sure there's some of you out there who had maybe some racist type thoughts or views towards uh, people of different ethnicities. And I'm sure that changed once you believed the gospel and Jesus started working on your heart and changing you. If you are a born-again believer, this should have taken place. You should no longer see a difference between people of different ethnicities. And just because ethnicities aren't crucial to salvation it doesn't have anything uh to it doesn't it's not a deciding factor when it comes to salvation we shouldn't ignore them either it's important that we can uh try to relate to people of different ethnicities and try to see what's the best way that we can minister to them and encourage them and, and build them up not only does the gospel bring heart change but it also brings mind change Looking back at Romans 1.16 again, it says, For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. The power of God saves people from their sins. It also works in their minds to correct sinful thinking. The idea that Jewish believers were better than Gentile believers because of their history was wrong thinking. Paul corrected that thinking in his letter to the Romans, and they could change that thinking through the power of God. Four times Paul uses the phrase, to everyone who believes, or something similar in his letter. Let's read through some of these. Romans 3.22 Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe, for there is no distinction. Romans 4.11 
and he received the sign of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while uncircumcised, so that he might be the father to all who believe without being circumcised, that righteousness might be counted to them. Romans 10 verse 4, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. And Romans 10, 11 through 12. For the scripture says, whoever believes upon him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. In each of these, Paul referred to the breaking down of the ethnic barriers between Jews and Gentiles in the church. Let's take a look at Romans chapter 3 verses 21 through 23 to see the difference between the Jews need for salvation and the Gentiles need for salvation. It says, But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Of God. Oh, it's a trick question. There is no difference. Both Jews and Gentiles, or we can say all people of different people groups, have the same need. We are all sinners. We all fall short of God's glory, and everyone needs salvation. So, if God's chosen people, the Jews, were not better than the Gentiles, then there's no argument that a certain ethnic group is better than any other group of people. Uh, we cannot make that case. So it doesn't matter someone's skin color. It doesn't matter the way they dress. It doesn't matter what culture they come from. They are not better than someone else. The power of the God is in the gospel, which is mind-changing. Um, and it gives believers the ability to break free from the stranglehold of prejudice. Maybe growing up, you heard things like, well, you don't want to deal with the people over there. You don't want to get involved with them. They are worthless. Or maybe you had a bad experience uh, with that group of people over there that confirmed your prejudice. And if it wasn't for God, you'd still be living a life where you are just blinded by this narrow-mindedness called bigotry. But the beauty of the gospel is that it is mind-changing. The power of the gospel has the ability to change your mind and change the way that you think. Not only does the gospel bring heart and mind change, it brings identity change. The gospel brings identity change. The end of verse 16 says, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The gospel has awesome power. It has the power to change our hearts, our minds, and our identity. When Claudius was uh, kicking the Jews out of Rome, he just saw them as Jews, whether they were Christian or not. But then when Emperor Nero took over, he saw them as Roman citizens and either they were Christian or they were not Christian. Well, what was the change? What changed? Well, uh, there definitely was a change from the gospel as the believers were striving to live like Christ in that city. And as the horrible persecution 
kept increasing under the reign of Nero, the believers in Rome were becoming more and more focused on their identity in Christ. Now, it doesn't matter where you grew up, what kind of school you went to, how much money you own, or the, the color of your skin. The gospel works powerfully to change your identity. God chose to reveal himself to the Jews in the Old Testament. They were his chosen people. They got to serve him and obey him and love him. But then the gospel is um, expanded to everyone. Paul says, right, it's for both the Jew and the Greek. And he even goes on to say that he is a special apostle to the Gentiles. He came to speak the gospel to those that are not Jewish. We find that in Romans 11, uh, verse 13. But let's look at the way he addressed the believers at the beginning of his letter. We see in Romans chapter 1, verse 7, he says, To all who are beloved of God in Rome, called as saints, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, He addresses the letter to all who are in Rome from God, not just the Jews. What we once were, we no longer are now that we are in Christ. And God seems to delight in changing people's identity so that through Christ we are now standing equal amongst one another. It's noteworthy to notice that Paul didn't write a letter to the Jewish believers and a letter to the Gentile believers. He wrote one letter to the church in Rome. And as the world likes to celebrate diversity, the church needs to celebrate unity. What we have together is far more significant than our different ethnicities or any other category that we could separate each other with. Here is a question. How might a church cater to groups in the church at the expense of the church's unity? Well, there's a trend of churches that segment the church. Churches are violating unity by providing multiple services for different worship styles. Or maybe they don't have opportunities for multi-generational fellowship. Different generations are always divided up and separated. We should be striving for unity within the church. We have to ask ourselves a serious question. Are we, as the church, actually demonstrating the identity-changing power of the gospel? Paul didn't tell the Jewish believers to just meet on Saturdays and then the Gentile believers to meet on Sundays. This could have been an easy, simple solution for some of the problems that they were going through. You know, just separate people, give them what they want, and there won't be any more fighting or complaining. But Paul said that segregating or, or being apart from one another uh, was not wise, and it's not an appropriate application of the gospel, because the gospel unites. The gospel unites people, therefore uh, the people of God need to remain united. The gospel unites people by changing their identity. And Paul said all the way back in the beginning of his letter, in Romans 1.16, um, that there should be now no distinction going forward. There shouldn't be Jewish believers. There shouldn't be Gentile believers. But they should all be one in Christ. We are all one. We are now all of one spiritual family. We are now brothers in Christ and sisters in Christ. 
Every believer is a child of God, and we need to remain united. And the gospel unites us by changing our identity in Christ. What are some ways Christians might place their natural ethnicity above their spiritual ethnicity? Well, maybe they don't reach out to different ethnic groups inside the church. Maybe they interpret ministry through the predominant culture represented in the church. We need to make sure that we are not participating in any distinction between people. God shows no partiality, and we shouldn't either. We need to seek unity amongst those in the church. When you have a chance to talk with someone about yourself, what is it that you talk about? Do you talk about your job and your family and your hobbies? Do you talk about yourself being a Christian? Because our identity in Christ uh, should be first and foremost. It should be evident towards others. And they should recognize us as believers in Christ before any other ethnic or social distinction. Well, let's talk about the bigger issue quick. Spreading the gospel is more important than stamping out racism. Yes, stopping racism would make the world a better place, but it doesn't change the destination of people that are on their way to hell. That's where the gospel comes in. And it's also important that the gospel of Jesus Christ is needed in order to change a person's heart and mind. Their, their view towards people isn't going to change without the gospel. That's why the Great Commission uh, orders us or commands us to go into all the world and to preach the gospel, make disciples of all nations. So what is our biblical response to this issue of race? Well, first off, the truth is that there is only one race, the human race. All people are created in the image of God and stand equal in their value. Our response to the issue of race is to intentionally make disciples of all people groups. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ that is going to change a person's heart, mind, and identity toward other people. The memory verse for this week is, it should be of no surprise, it's Romans 1, 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous will live by faith. This verse has so much truth to it, and the power of the gospel is so uh, transforming. It changes people, and it changes lives. So uh, commit this verse to memory. Um, and this powerful truth that God has revealed to us. Well, next week is going to be on understanding Islam and reaching Muslims. You know, we're, we're called to go forth and preach the gospel, and sometimes we're going to encounter people from different religions. And Islam is one of the biggest religions in the world right now. It's growing rapidly in its popularity. So we're going to go ahead and take a look at some of their basic beliefs and practices, and that way, when we encounter Muslims, when we're witnessing and sharing the gospel, we'll have a better understanding and insight on maybe how to approach the conversation and to share the good news about Jesus Christ. So I hope you can join me uh, next week as we dig into this hot topic.